Awesome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I am your host, Cody Kelly. As you can see, I am on location. I won't tell you where I'm at because I'm traveling, but, uh, you know, I try to stay as mobile as possible. Uh, but still, we wanted to get this content for you. If you want to keep seeing amazing content, you got to do two things. Connect me on Instagram at CVMK33 and subscribe to the YouTube page. That's not the correct banner, but this is YouTube at CV Space K. Where all amazing content is seen, heard, and felt. I have back with me an amazing guest, Peter Anderson. We're going to really discuss really the evolving nature of love and focus on commitment. You know, I'm seeing a lot of just things, just, you know, I, I feel like every time I turn on the TV, Peter, and this is an honest mm-hmm. confession, my wife loves these shows Married at First Sight, 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> Put a ring on. I feel like any show that is in that vein, I actually haven't have seen it. And I just feel like, well, it's entertaining. It makes me uh, laugh. Look but good. I feel yeah. like what's missing is like, there's no real to me, like seriousness of it. Mm. You know, like, I feel like that's what's missing. So with that being mm. said, I asked Peter to be back on it. This is his lane, his expertise. I, I'm not a subject matter professional. I just host this podcast. So with that being said, Peter, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is kind of what I do all day long. So I, I feel like I'm just, um, but I won't bill you. No. Hey, I appreciate <laughs> so, it. Right? Yeah, so. <laughs> I appreciate it. I uh, just like talk about it the whole time. Uh, uh, yeah. We could afford you. We could. I appreciate it. <laughs> We do need to get into debate, though, that uh, LeBron's not Jordan. So maybe after the show, maybe after that. <laughs> Cody and I, we, yeah, we have a friendly um, dialogue every yeah, what every few months. I'll, I'll I'll pick on you and say Jordan. Jordan's still number one in my eyes. But you say LeBron. Hey, look, I, so. I, I, told <laughs> Chris, I told Chris Moussard that LeBron was better than Mike and Space Jam Two was better than oh, Space Jam One. So. Oh. You're good. I haven't seen the second space. Yeah, this is that. So you should watch this Oscar worthy. It's Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to remember that. Yeah. I. I mean, it's not like it's. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot to compare to. So it's not like space. Yeah, Space Jam One was Shawshank Redemption or you know, right. Godfather or something. Right. Um, or okay. just do where's my car? I mean, oh, right. it wasn't yeah, that right. good. Yeah. No, it wasn't that- <laughs> <laughs> oh. It was oh, very limited. Just had a lot of people in it. Yeah, right. Don't expect more. Don't expect. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, with that yeah. being said, Peter. So you know mm. what? You know. You know. This mm. is your niche. This is your occupation. Mm. Why does it seem like the seriousness of love is gone? And what I mean by that, like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like it's almost been reduced or didacted down to like a, like a, like a job, you know, like yeah. well, I worked here, you know, for three years, you know, I uh, mm-hmm. did this project, initiated this plan, had a lot of success, and then uh, wanted to seek a deeper challenge. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like now love is yeah. really in that talk track. What's going on here? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, I would... I mean, I think, you know, love, a lot of people don't realize this, but I, I think, I think you have a lot of um, evidence to break this up is, and uh, which is love is a verb more than just, a, you know, as much as it is a noun, you know, and when you think of the, um, the two characteristics that really make a relationship, any relationship work and not just marriage, even friendship, you know, um, it has to be built on knowing each other's world 
And then after that, it has to be built on being able to pick each up, pick up each other's bids for connection. So a bid for connection is as simple as, hey, do you see my texts? And your partner turns toward it. And then being able to have conflict in a in a reasonable in a way that's honoring to one another. But what holds that house together, if I could put it like that, is you have trust on one side and then you have commitment on the other. And if you don't have commitment and trust, you're it's gonna be very difficult to to see a relationship that's going to be built on um, anything that's going to be substantial. And so I would say that's a great question because I think that's, those are two of the things that are often missing in relationships. Um, You know, and I would say the difference between the two um, is that, you know, commitment, trust, trust, I would say is something that you feel, you know, I can't, and, and sometimes trust can be affiliated with your past Sometimes people have hard times trusting just because they grew up in a particular environment. Um, commitment, though, is something that you do, I would say. It's something that I, I remember one one therapist put it like this. I think it was Lisa Lund. Uh, she's a Gottman certified therapist. And she said that commitment is taking your partner with you wherever you go. And I really love that definition because it's the notion that commitment is governed by some. It's not just governed by some kind of legal contract. It's really a partnership in the journey. And so, so to answer that question, I think, I think a lot of people may be missing that it's, you know, they, I think they want to compartmentalize, leave their partner over there um, and then just kind of like live their own life. And that's, that's not really a committed relationship. It doesn't matter where you are. Do you metaphorically take your partner with you? Maybe they're not even physically there with you, but when I walk in this room, my, my partner's here with me, you know, and um, I think if you're, if you're missing that, it's going to be difficult to move forward. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, um, hmm. I've, I've never heard that, um, that difference, uh, that differentiate a marker between commitment and trust, that trust hmm. really is a feeling and commitment is an actual placement. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> Um, that I think is a definitely nuance because I always thought that they went hand in hand. If you were committed, it's because you were trust full or you had trust in the relationship. Yeah. Maybe it's, you can be committed, but because the feeling isn't there, like trust, Mm. um, because it's, it's an emotional trigger you know, the commitment isn't as strong or maybe it's just not as pronounced or maybe you can trust somebody, but because you've compartmentalized your relationship, you know, all of a sudden there's, uh, uh, I would say, uh, somebody's not to say being disingenuous, but it's like, there's, there's just a disconnect, right? Like, yeah. What? And I don't think it's as simple as error or sin or, you know, some, you know, like moral, you know, disposition. I don't think it's always that simple, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's just because programming or whatever, commitment as a whole is fluid now, right? And, and Mm -hmm. I don't, I think it's, because and mm-hmm. I and I started it I started it off with the job comparison. <laughs> I think because mm-hmm. when you have a lapse of institutional trust, mm. somehow we mirror what we see, right? Like society isn't just what you see on CNN 
MSNBC, Fox. Right. That yeah. gets replicated <laughs> in the home too. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <that works>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I guess I make that distinction too, because I, I, I've had couples that one of, I'm thinking of one and you know, she had huge amount of commitment, but she didn't trust him. He really trusted her, but he wasn't necessarily committed in the relationship, which is really interesting. In other words, he didn't, he never thought that she would like leave him or for another guy. Right. She was never going to leave him, but she didn't trust him, which is really interesting. So it was kind of, uh, you know, it, it was a very, uh, in the very beginning, it's often why they're seeing me. I mean, in a sense, they're kind of keeping one another, you know, together. But, um, you know, often when you have those types of relation, relationships, especially if she's, you know, she's, she's, she has, you know, she commits, she's very committed to the relationship. But if you ask her, do you trust what he's doing behind your back? She says, absolutely not. So that's what's kind of, I did, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that relationships can be built on one or the other, but they're not going to last very long, you know, that way. And um, well, I should say this, I, I, I guess I take that back. There are relationships that do last for a long time. Maybe I shouldn't say they're happy relationships. You know, there's a lot of suspicion. She's maybe always jealous of him, you know, sometimes rightfully so. Um, but he's like, you know, has one foot out the door, one foot in the house, you know, and, and um, that suspicion that she has of him kind of, you know, uh, encourages him, I guess, to put one foot out the door. And as he put one foot out the door, she feels pretty, even though she doesn't trust him uh, because he's has one foot out the door, she still feels like she has to keep the relationship together. And that, I think that's, that, that definitely happens when there's, there are kids involved, you know, but it could be a very exhausting relationship in that way. But I mean, I would say that, you know, I often ask couples, I mean, do you trust one another? And they, they would often give very different answers, you know, then are you committed to one another? And most people that come and see me, they're, they've got some type of commitment. They want to, you know, they want to build that trust again. Um, but yeah, it can be hard. It can, it can be hard to build that trust, especially if you feel like commitment is a, is on shaky ground and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Are, are we thinking too small about uh, commitment? And what I mean by that, like, like the, the, you know, the average, you know, lay person, you know, we think of it as, you know, faithful, not faithful. Um, yeah, sure. But, you know, but can you be like, are you committed to the journey? Mm-hmm. Um, something that I've been, you know, thinking of is at what point, at what point do you settle? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and what I mean by that, like, I think every strong relationship has to have a a process or that both parties have to come to a point that there's a they're dying of something else like there's a, a settlement sometimes we see you know we heard that settle word uh and it's like it's taboo like you know don't settle or or it's you know you're not getting what you know you should get but the the reality is mm. you can push growth too much right to the point yeah. that you grow and you might grow past or you might grow from or you might, you know, like growth can be toxic at times. You know, growth can be uh, mm. cancerous, right? Like does, does in order for this evolution of commitment, does it have to be this, this stripping away process? 
Yeah. I mean, when you say growth can be cancerous, what, what are you referring to in, in a marriage or in a relationship? Yeah. I mean, or, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, um, you know, as a millennial, so the millennial generation was taught to go big, right? Like everything mm-hmm. has to be more, you know, it's, you know, where our parents was like, if you got a degree, you made it. Now it's like, you know, you need two or three by 33. And, you know, like now it's like everything's on steroids. Everything uh, is more, is bigger, stronger, faster, right? Right. So yeah. so with that, it seeps in. And you start thinking like, no, you know, you're doing this, you're doing this. And, it, and it's crazy. I was having a conversation with my friends. I said, you know, when our parents got to our age, they actually looked our age. And, and it's no shot at anybody, but it's like now, you know, you get into your 30s and 40s. It's a different it's a different 30 and 40 year old demographic. It's not it's not what our parents, you know, our parents was right. 30, 40 sweatpants, bear sweater, you know, sweater, oh, yeah. uh, Chicago Bears <laughs> logo or your favorite football yeah. team. And and that was life. And life was kind of just, you know, came to a summation. You know, they had uh-huh. their job. They were going to be at for 15, 20 years. Uh, they were married, they had the kids. And then the next step was, you know, <laughs> retirement and that, you know, but now right. it's like, no, you know, we're going to start up this company. We're going to do this. It's like, it's, it's all these added layers to the point. And I'm wondering mm. how do you, how do you keep surviving in this growth mode? Because it's a very, to me, it's a very mm-hmm. selfish. It's, I mean, it's cool, but yeah. it's a little selfish, right? So yeah. how do we, how do we, how do we handle growth? Yeah, that's you bring up a really good question. And I think there's, you know, I think every religion in the world, you know, whether it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I mean, I read up on a lot of religions, Buddhism, in particular, talks about, you know, grasping for, you know, the main reason for suffering is because people grab hold on things. I don't think you I think you could look at that without being a Buddhist and say that's there's a lot of truth in that, that a lot of suffering when you just hold on to stuff so, so tightly. And I see that I see that in my couples, I see that in my own life that, you know, that I think we lack mindfulness. You know, I think we're so focused on the on the future and on the past. You know, nostalgia is probably the one, one of the most interesting but also deadliest emotions that I often see in my office because people will try to relive it, you know, some kind of memory. And then they try to exceed some type of moment in the future, some utopia. And they're striving, striving, striving for that. And they never attain it. And there's never enough. And I do think that the heart is constantly wanting more and more and more. And that's really what feeds our addictions. And, you know, addiction is, is a lot of people think addiction is just by taking alcohol or taking drugs or addicted to sex. And it's actually not. We could be addicted to our thoughts. We could be addicted to this, you know, this desire and craving of wanting more and more and more. And in the context of a relationship, you're right. It can be toxic because you're not present with your partner. You know, you're present on the next thought. And so when your partner just says, hey, you know, hey, Cody, look at what I got. You're, you know, or hey, Peter, look what I got. I'm like, you know, you're so focused. You know, you could, it's so easy to be focused on something that's not in the, in the reality, which um, which in the here and now is your partner trying to bid for some type of connection with you. And then we miss out and we miss out. We miss out on what's actually going on with that. And then next thing that we know, those people are are gone, you know, and I, you know, one of the saddest, one of my, my, I don't know if this is a diversion or not, but it, I don't know if you ever, you remember that song cat's cradle, you know, cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy, blue man in the moon. I mean, basically the whole song is about 
a dad always wanting more and more and more in his song career and he misses his whole his child his son's childhood and then when his son is finally grown up the dad wants a relationship with the son and the son says basically says you know sorry dad i'm you know i'm doing a show don't have time for you and the author of that song i forgot the i forgot who wrote it but um he died. It was, he was actually a biography of his own life. And he died um, literally a few, either a few months or a few weeks after he wrote that song. And um, maybe a few years, I can't remember, but he never actually reconciled, you know? And so that's, that's a really, that's a huge reality in what you're saying. We, we could just crave and crave and crave and not really just be still with the present moment on this beautiful person that's in our lives, this, this intimate partner that's in our lives. And man, we're missing out. You know, um, I mean, I'm not saying not to strive. I think it's great to strive. I think you and I, you know, we we want more, but there's a difference between wanting more versus being content and just saying, okay, this is enough for the day and being present with my partner, you know, and, and those are happy marriages where he could or she could just, you know, no, kids go to bed, <laughs> job goes to bed. I'm here for you, you know, and it sounds really simple, but. I would say most couples don't do that, just that, just that by itself. And we're really unhappy in the process. <laughs> flesh out, flesh out nostalgia. So you brought up nostalgia, and I'm wondering, do you mean <laughs> that we have a hard time letting go of the past or we're trying to, yeah, you know, or, or, or aging? I think a little both. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, I think, I think we definitely have a hard time aging. And I, I mean, I, 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 multiple reasons why that might be. I think we fear getting old. I think our culture often fears that, which is really interesting because every religion in the world, if I could keep bringing bring up a lot of religion here, I guess, because <laughs> I, um, yeah, I got to put my MDiv to use in some capacity other than <laughs> get to. No, but I mean, I, every religion looks at aging as a, as an honor, you know, as a, as a, as God's blessing on this person, you know, uh, as Proverbs says, the, you know, the, the gray hairs is the sign of God preserving your life. And we are ashamed of our gray hair. But I, I think I, I think nostalgia just being just a, a longing for lost memories, you know, longing for a past, you know. And, and I think the older we get, we could really be stuck with nostalgia, especially if there's a lot of regret or there's a lot of, man, I wish I would have done things differently. Or, you know, and I see this sometimes in relationships. I wish I would have married, the you know, a different person. I married him too young. And I wish I had, you know, followed my dreams. And there's some, it's okay to look back. You know, it's okay to look back and say, you know, gosh, what could I have learned? But once you get thought, you get caught up in that shame cycle, you know, get caught up in just like, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that differently. It really can be a toxic um, antidote or, yeah, uh, thing to the relationship because then you start living in regret. And then when you start living in regret, you get caught up in this kind of, I almost regret being with you. And then I think in that case, in the context of a relationship, you're craving more and more and more for something that's just maybe not the person that's in your life. So nostalgia is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes we're called to reflect. I mean, if as long as it's reflecting on, you know, um, what I can learn from my past, you know, hopefully we're always doing that. But to just sit at a place of regret or sit at a place of like wanting to relive it, you know, in a way that it can never be relived, then I think that can, you know, 
that could, in the context of a relationship, it, it, it's going to hijack your brain from the present moment. <laughs> well, that, that's good. I, I, I think that, like you said, the, the process of shame hmm. uh, or, or dealing with unnurtured potential, right? Unnurtured potential. I think, well, I think there's something that is intrinsic and I don't know if it's just society places it there, but it's like the vision that you have for your life. If you're not there yet, you deal with this false sense of failure and it's not true, but it's like, but you can see yourself doing something else and the vision becomes stronger than the reality of something. Right. And I think you have to have that, yeah. that dialogue, that internal dialogue, like, no, you know, I really do have a great life. I have been blessed to do whatever. I don't need this internal driver that just wants me to seek more at all expense. And yeah. I think what's happening is because everything is, I feel like the antithesis of truth is what we're dealing with, you know? <laughs> right. right. You know, and, 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 and however, and it's just extremism to the point that you, you, you have one side that's way, way, way over here. Another side that's way, way, way over here. And right. it's like, uh, you now have to pick, right? <laughs> and instead uh -huh. of saying, I'm cool right here in the middle, you know, yeah. I, I gotta be, I have to be, you know, I gotta be this, uh, entrepreneur, CEO, uh, that, you know, started the next hybrid between uh, Twitter, Google, and Amazon, or else I won't feel happy because I can't go to space, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And the reality is, like, I don't have to go to space. You know, uh -uh. space is cool. I want to go to space. But, you know, the the, the drive for space over the, uh, the drive for substance, I think that's toxic. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's that in, in, in context of relationships too. And what we're, yeah. I mean, because it's, I guess a lot of it is also, you know, I should, I should back up here a little bit. If you're looking at a relationships because you're somehow unsatisfied with a part of you and there's not a sense of self-acceptance and there's not a, you know, a healthy sense of self-love or a healthy sense of self-assurance and you're craving, you know, you're wanting this partner to somehow fulfill things about yourself that you don't, you're, you're ashamed of, right. then man, that's not, that's going to be messy in a few years, you know, because you got to deal with that. <laughs> like she can't, she, she can't do that for you. She can't do that for me. You know, she just can't as much as she tries, you know, it's just like, and it, it really is some internal work that we have to do to make these relationships work as well, you know, and it's, that's not easy, you know, and if that, yeah, I would always ask the reflective question, why is that so important to you? Is it because you love the work? I think if you love the work, great, you know, but, but is it, or do you love something, you know, do you love it because you love it? I guess I should say, sure. or do you, do you love the reputation on, what was expected of you well then you're not really loving the work you're loving the expectation which isn't necessarily you still it's still you're kind of doing it for somebody else a lot of people don't ask those basic questions just like who am i you know why am i here <laughs> you know um wh what's my purpose you know why did god put me on this world you know what am i wh why am i here 
I, I you know it's funny you say that because it's it's I mean it's great it's a really interesting point because I a lot of yeah I if you're if you're and I think this is this is the I don't want to say if you're if you're getting married to fulfill a lot of those without ever asking them mm. I think eventually those questions are going to catch up with you whether it's midlife crisis which I've seen and those couples often completely dissipate and they separate the minute the kids are out of the house because it's the kids that are actually keeping the relationship together. And the only thing, and that's not to, that you just can't keep a relationship together with the, with just kids. And that's why what you'll often see is that when the kids leave, they're just, they're bye-bye, you know, and it either happens with you there or it's going to happen a little bit later, you know, or maybe even sooner. And the longer you wait, the more bitter you become, you know, the more bitter you become, you actually take away your own life in the process, you know, because contempt, which is the number one reason why people divorce, actually, it it's the very thing that can take your heart away. I mean, actually, you could you could lower your life levels by fifteen years <laughs> um, if you if you have a lot of contempt in your relationship. So, going back on on everything you're saying, it's so important that you ask these questions because you know for the right reasons. Because if you don't, it and you're trying to get a relationship to fulfill these needs. Oh yeah, it's it's going to catch up on you, and I don't know if this generation is quite prepared for that because we're we're rushed toward the facade and we're rushed toward the immediacy of um, mob mentality, and yeah. we're rushed toward the immediate rut, you know, of the dopamine effect of oh my gosh, what's this, and oh my gosh, what's that, and that we haven't really just taken the time necessary to look inward. And, um, and that's, you know, and, and I think it's going to catch up on us, you know, without sounding too negative. Um, yeah. I think it already is. <laughs> yeah. So going back on your very first thing, what's going on? I, maybe that's there, you know, there's some, there's some linkage it, to that. Yeah. I think it's called us. I know, I know we're running out of time. I got one more question for you. Then you can tell everybody, you know, where to connect with you, but no, oh, yeah. Why, <laughs> why, uh, how come society hasn't, prioritized mental health. And I think this is an aspect of mm -hmm. mental health because I think mental health, you know, is so um, nuanced, you know, I think, you know, whether it's the, the spiritual aspect of it, uh, the faith, you know, having that faith, um, yeah. you know, I, I'm a believer as well, uh, but everything that kind of encompasses all of that, right? Like, before any decisions are made, before mm -hmm. you go start that business, before you say I do, there should be some type of passage, <laughs> or, you know, like, or just, you know, something that says like, hold yeah. on, let's slow down and let's think about this because mm -hmm. it's not that you're a bad person. It's just that you need to slow down. You know, why, why right. have it be prioritized process? It's just mental health in general. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in some ways, I think we have in an optimistic sense. I mean, you know, I, I see a therapist. I would never have uh, said that probably publicly so unashamedly even 10 years ago, you know, and I don't mind saying that I'm a therapist. I see a therapist. <laughs> you know? yeah. So and I think a lot of I think a lot of people are the shame is no longer quite as they as much as it was even when I was growing up. I'm 44, you know, and um, I'm Gen Z, so I'm a little, a little older. But I mean, I, I, I think. My parents' generation, they just, there's a lot of, there's a huge stigma that you just didn't do something right. Um, I think with, when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to therapy, though, 
it's I think the scariest thing is to be truly known. Hmm. And I, 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 I do. I, I think so when you're entering into the office of somebody, you're, you're letting go of a lot of your guard and you're willingly, you willingly are doing it because you see something that there's something incomplete in your own life that you're wanting help with. And that's not easy, you know, and I, I would say a lot of people are very guarded because they have been burned. They have been hurt, especially in the church, you know, at times. I mean, I, I see that a lot. The church doesn't always do a very good job with grief, for example, when there's loss, when there's death, when there's divorce, you know, or when there's an affair, you know, where, you know, we just make really, really quick judgments. I mean, we're getting better. I think churches are getting a whole lot better than we were, again, five, 10 years ago. It's just, I think it's just looking at my own life. I mean, I think it's just easier for me to distract myself with work and easier to distract myself with busyness than just sitting down with my own therapist and just opening up all my heart and all my vulnerabilities. I'd rather not do that. And I, I, but it's a wonderful thing if you can do it because I think it makes you better. Um, yeah, I think also, I, I would say too, we're, we have a real problem with failure. I love Mm -hmm. failure. You know, I don't think that's a bad word. I think that's a wonderful word. And it's taken me a while to really love that part of what I've, you know, in my own life and failure isn't failure is just a way to do it again and again and again. And, and, you know, and I see that with the disciplines that I do and, um, I have a lot of things that I do for, you know, in my own discipline, whether it's piano, whether it's um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I, I love that. I mean, I do that. And whether it's running, what I love to run and all of those things that I do, I get my butt kicked all the time. And yet I'm better and better and better in the process. Right. And it's it's not a curse word to me anymore. And it's just like, I think people are very cautious with that word. Like there's something wrong with me. No, no, this is just part of life. So you messed up on a relationship, you know? Okay. So you raised your voice with your wife. Okay. Yeah. Join the crowd. Okay. So you, you, know, you got defensive with the guy. So let's talk about the why. Let's talk about what caused that. Let's talk about, you know, some of the deeper issues there, you know, and, and it doesn't mean that you have to be judged. You could be fully vulnerable and grow at the same time. And that's a possibility. I think a lot of people just don't realize is available and, and it is. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, look, I appreciate this. Peter, man, this has been yeah. helpful. I'm sure the audience got something out of it. Where can they connect with you, man? Yeah. Well, it's funny because now I'm starting to do John Gottman uh, conferences, which he's the number one You know, thing I like about Gottman, Gottman, John Gottman, is that he um, is still alive. He and his wife. Um, there's no opinion. It's all research on what makes relationships work and why they fail. And I am doing uh, conferences online. Uh, I'm trying to do that at least once a month at Anderson fam, like family fam therapy.com. And, um, it's an all day event on a Saturday. I'd love a lot. Of, you know, if anybody is interested, we have one in August, uh, uh, in about two weeks and then, yeah. So, uh, and we'll just be going over tools, how to make relationships work. And then also, um, sound engagement is our own podcast that we'd like to do. And then, um, I don't do Twitter. I just can't. I can't tweet. I don't know. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> so, you're, right. <laughs> you're good. I'm not, a, I'm not a Twitter guy. I mean, I have a Twitter, but I, it's just hard to think. Like, do I really want to put my internal thoughts? <laughs> no. I know. I, Lord, yeah. <laughs> I know. I remember when people were getting me into fantasy football like 15 years ago, and I'm like, yeah. no, because that's an addiction for me. I would just like – I could see myself like spending – 
30 hours a week on fantasy football. So <laughs> I, I just, I don't do it. <laughs> you know, so cool, cool. Yeah. connect with Peter at, um, uh, his podcast, listen to him, connect with him on his website, AndersonFamTherapy.com. Amazing voice. Something that's needed will really help you flush out and, 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 and get to the point and the value that you're looking for in your relationship. Uh, Peter, I thank you so much guys. Until next time. Thanks. Thank you.